Lisa Kay, connecting the community on Talk of the Town. We're back on Talk of the Town here in KTOE's studio, and we've got our chat with DNR Dan, Dan Ryder. How are you doing? Hey, not too I bad. Thanks gonna, for having me. I was going to call you DNR Dan, right? Is that what Jake calls you? Does he call I, you something else? I believe so, oh, but okay. just don't call me late for dinner. All right. Well, welcome. Thanks for coming Thank in to you. talk a little bit about what's going on with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Uh, we're, we were chatting off uh, the air about the, fi- um, not fishing opener, I was at the fishing opener where you told me about the pheasant opener, mm-hmm. and that's right here in our area in Owatonna. Yeah, not too far, uh, you know, down the road, Highway 14. So, you know, over the years, uh, you know, uh, truth be told, it's it's in my area. I serve a 32-county area, mm-hmm. um, which stretches basically east almost to Rochester and then west to the South Dakota state line. It's the pheasant range, right? right. So it's always in my region. Typically, it's been in uh, southwest Minnesota. Uh, one time, it was in Austin back okay. in 2019. Okay. So, uh, we're back east again in, in Owatonna for 2023. Mankato held it, by the way, in 2015. Okay. So, so it's that, been that, a that while. was a big deal. It's yeah. been a while, right? Um, and so, you said pheasant area. Mm-hmm. What are we looking at when we're, if we're not pheasant hunters, what are we looking at when we say pheasant area? So I, I would say, you know, basically if you draw a line around the metro, um, uh, it, it, it encompasses probably the western half of Minnesota, almost to the Canadian border, I would say, okay. like, you know, maybe say Fargo or so, and then south. Um, so we're talking uh, Fergus Falls, Alexandria, Hutchinson. Ortonville, Marshall, and then, you know, if you kind of an L-shaped uh, off to the east, okay. you know, Mankato, um, Fairmont, um, you know, Owatonna, Austin, that's kind of the pheasant range there. All right. So we're looking for probably, you know, like open, like fields and... Grasslands. Grasslands. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So uh, when an organization like the 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 chamber from Owatonna or whatever mm-hmm. other city decides to host they put a bid in for this right that's correct yeah it's a competitive bid and it's reviewed by a, a team from the Minnesota DNR Explore Minnesota and the governor's office okay. so uh the uh, winning bid is is chosen uh through that process so it's a competitive process and uh there's some creativity that is involved too like one year we uh uh, you know, for the fishing opener, um, you know, we've received tackle boxes as submissions oh, okay. with all kinds of literature inside and things like that. One year, um, we received a shotgun shell for the pheasant opener uh, submission. I mean, just kind of <laughs> cool stuff, you know? This sounds like, you know, back in the day in radio, we'd send our tapes in with some thing some gimmicky oh, thing oh like, yeah remember me right yeah yeah kind of sound, but it's but it works it works it works yeah absolutely so how many submissions come in for something like this you know it, it varies by year okay. i mean you know some some years uh, i think it's been about a half a dozen you know some years it's more some some years less okay um and you know to varying degrees of Shall we say investment by the right. community? You know, but is it ever in the same place twice in a row, or do you tend to kind of move around? It a moves bit? around, okay, um, it, because you know it. it there is a, a pretty good commitment involved from the community. I mean, if you just talk to Joy Leafblad, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just coming off the the governor's fishing opener, you're leaning um, a, a lot on your volunteers, your business community, things like that. So. Um, there's a, a several communities that have hosted the governor's pheasant hunting opener um, twice, but never twice in a row. Okay. So Montevideo held it, uh, the, the first one in 2011, and then in, again in 2016, 
Marshall held the second one in 2012, and then again in 2017. Uh, Worthington has held it twice. So, um, yeah, it, you know, we'll... Maybe Mankato can host it a second. Yeah, time. we're about due, aren't we? Yeah, we can put we can plant that seed, right? The chamber's probably going. Oh my gosh, really? Here's another thing. Right, <laughs> get that in there. We'll get some. Yeah. So Steele County um, and our friends in Owatonna are working hard right now to make that time in October, which is the 13th and 14th, correct? Yeah. Um, they're working hard to make that uh, very much. Um, a special event, things for us to do, as mm-hmm. we did with the fishing opener, and we got to see all sorts of things, showcasing their community and what yeah. they have to offer. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, the whole idea is you're bringing out-of-town guests in um, to to see what you have to offer. You're bringing in out-of-town media to see what you have to offer. And then hopefully those reporters and storytellers tell that story to their audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get folks to come visit and check it out. Whether it's, um, you know, the, the great hunting that, that exists or other amenities. Maybe it's your parks. Maybe it's your trails. Uh, maybe, it ha- maybe it's your shopping. Right. You know, whatever your community's story is, um, that's the story to tell. You know, last year in Worthington, the story was all about diversity, actually, if you can mm. believe it. Um, just because um, Worthington is this giant melting pot of different cultures and, um, you know, just the variety of restaurants with different ethnic cuisines sure. and, uh, you know, different stores and shops. It's just a very interesting story to tell. Now, we have some time out uh, since it's not until October, but mm-hmm. they are working hard, our, our friends in Owatonna. Mm-hmm. Um, what types of things do we know that they have planned for us so far? I know they're still adding to the list. Yeah, they are adding to the list. But, uh, you know, right now, the Steel County Historical Society is going to have an exhibition on conservation. I think they're going to be uh, unveiling that probably not long after the Steel County Free Fair, which okay. is in mid-August. Mm-hmm. Um, the Owatonna Arts Center, if you've never been there, that's a really neat uh, uh, story to tell there, To The old orphanage, um, you know, the state school. Okay, yep. Um, that's where the Arts Center is. And uh, they're going to be uh, featuring work by uh, wildlife artist uh, Jim Killen. He's an Owatonna native. Okay, So okay. Uh, really uh, cool work there. Um you know, associated with every governor's pheasant hunting opener event, there's a, a couple of uh, public events that's open to everyone. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a dedication of public lands that'll take place at Somerset Wildlife Management Area, just southwest of Owatonna. Uh, that's going to be that Friday afternoon at 4:30. Um, and the reason that they're dedicating that is um, there's a new addition. Um, you know, thanks to Minnesota Pheasants Inc. and the Isaac Walton League in concert with the uh, Minnesota DNR. Uh, you know, they've got 440 acres of diverse habitat there. So mm. it's something to really celebrate and uh, help the public realize, uh, you know, we've got a lot in the way of resources in the Steele County area. And, uh, you know, kind of to highlight the importance of habitat when it comes to wildlife the other public event is the food truck flocking you got to feed the people you do you do <laughs> the flocking i like this yeah so that's going to be uh at owatonna central park okay um, and that'll go on rain or shine uh they're uh, i'm told um getting a, a large tent um so uh that'll that'll help cover folks if uh you know there's uh, some inclement weather so really cool thing there'll be some live music and uh 
you know, and, and lots of good eats. Uh, they've got some commitments already from food trucks, and they're hoping to get more. So uh, it looks like it's going to be a really neat event. And then we'll be able to add to that as they continue their planning. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they're looking at a, a couple of uh, other events for uh, folks that might be non-hunters mm-hmm. um, just to get the community involved. Uh, there's some talk about uh, the, a possible 5K um, oh, nice. you know, uh, so, uh, on that day. So, yeah. Are they uh, going to make the media run when we come there? Because that's <laughs> no, going to be rough. I, I will not force you to run. I <laughs> Thank promise you. you. Information <laughs> officer for the South Region, Dan Ryder, joining us today. And I know that um, I have done some talking with uh, people in the city of Mankato about our Emerald Ash Borer problem. Yeah. Also a little bit with our county in Blue mm-hmm. Earth County. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had some cities that receive some grants that we want to talk about, Emerald Ash Borer. Uh, and that's kind of a problem in many of our surrounding communities. Yeah, well, I mean, Emerald Ash Borer is in 41 of our 87 counties. Um, so just know that. Um, I think it was first discovered, well, I can't remember. It was, it was first uh, discovered in the metro, mm-hmm. uh, and it is spread. It's uh, moving down here. Yeah, we're getting yeah. reports of it all over the place. Yeah, so, um, yeah, just over the you know last week, uh, the Department of Natural Resources Sources um, uh, uh, released information on uh, 2.4 million dollars in grants uh, uh, released to 35 different cities, and that's really to help make their urban forests more resilient. Um, and, you know, the source of that money actually comes from the Environmental and Natural Resources Trust Fund, and so that's going to help cities do things like take inventory of their existing trees. You know, so. If they don't have a lot of ash trees, uh, it may not be a concern. My guess is a lot of them have ash trees. Mm-hmm. So they've got to figure out, um, you know, what types, what species they have and, and uh, numbers and things like that. Uh, also to create management plans um, to remove ash trees if they need to, or um, if it's early enough to treat ash trees to prevent the spread of emerald ash borer. Um, planting different species of trees, uh, and then just materials to care for new trees, such as stakes, uh, water bags, mulch, things like that. Why so many ash trees? I know we talked about this <laughs> off air, but like there's, uh, we had Dutch elm disease back in the day. Yeah. If, if people remember that. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, this the same probably... kind of thing? It's just like a, like a pandemic for trees? Yeah, I, mean, I suppose so. Only, you know, there's no... Sp- Social distancing with a tree, you know, they're not going to move. Uh, but yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is, you know, when you and I were kids, and I think we're kind of dating ourselves here. We are. Uh, yeah, Dutch elm disease yeah. was a real thing. Uh, it was a big, big deal. Um, and they Because had communities re- planted elms, elms, elms. And they're beautiful. Oh, yeah. And that's why. But then, yeah, they, it was just one species. So uh, Dutch elm disease uh, rolled through. And what did they replace them with? Ash. And now here we are. Again. So, yeah. <laughs> so what have whole, we learned? <laughs> yeah. What, what we have learned is diversity is the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, diversity is the key to uh, resilience, really, because, you know, you're going to have some trees that aren't susceptible to certain bugs or molds or spores or anything like that, you know? Um, so having uh, that that firewall of different species right. really helps 
um, contain those issues. But yeah, we've got a lot of ash trees in a lot of different communities. Right. And so I think when we know better, we do better, right? So now we're learning about these things and this grant money is going to come into these communities. You said 35 communities. Name some for us around here that that are getting some cash. Going to start with Mankato. Mankato got uh, just over $56,000. St. Peter got $128,000. What they're going to be doing is they're going to be planting more than 500 trees before the year uh, 2025 or by June of mm-hmm. 2025. And that's the uh, city of St. Peter? Yep. Okay. Yep. So that grant is going to help them uh, expand their uh, mitigation efforts by allocating money to ash tree removals. Um, a city of Wasika, $78,000. Nice. New Prague, 60800 and city of Heron Lake, which isn't all that far away, right. uh, just under $37,000. How do we decide who gets what money? So that's an, uh, another application process. Okay. Um, and I, I'm not sure exactly on the criteria there, but, uh, um, but, but yeah, I mean, they have to demonstrate a need. Um, there's also um, a process that, it, um, you know, basically... They don't want to keep rewarding the same communities over and over again. So they try to spread it out a little bit. So uh, you you may not see the same communities listed in consecutive years. Okay. All right. Well, it's an invasive species, so we Mm -hmm. need to take care of it. I know that in the city of Mankato, at least, um, they've already started the removal of some of those trees. I think on Stoltzman, um, removing and and replacing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was last fall, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they kind of had to narrow traffic down to one lane. And yeah, that was a big job. Right, right. And so the infestation hopefully will stop with the replacement and... um, really uh, it's if you don't know how it works it's a bug mm-hmm. that eats does it like eat the sap it's larvae it, it's larvae actually uh carves little paths inside the tree and of course what that does is that um disrupts its ability to feed the top of the tree you know think of right. like cutting off a blood vessel for example sure you know almost like a, a tourniquet so it'll die from the top down and that's okay. basically yeah one of the ways that you'll identify emerald ash borer is if you see crown decline that's what mm-hmm. we call it dying from the top down also if there's increased um, activity by woodpeckers oh looking for food yep that makes sense we just cut one of these down at the farm I volunteer at and uh, taking a look at some of the bark that had fallen when this when the when the tree fell and you can see the damage that was caused. Yeah, I had the same issue with birch borer actually oh, okay. at my place. I lost a couple of uh, uh, birch trees at River Birch and, mm. and uh, yeah, cutting them open. And yeah, you could see the little galleries there. And of course, lots of woodpeckers. Yep, yep. And lots of noise. Yep. Uh, so the money has been distributed or it's being distributed? Uh, it is being distributed. Okay. Yes. So the uh, we'll look for the communities to make some improvements there and know that they're getting some help. So that's. That's a good thing. And that's a big deal, too, yeah. because we've got one billion, with a B, one billion ash trees in the state. Holy that's a God. lot to take care of. That is a lot to take care of. Big job. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're talking a little bit with the DNR today, um, I know that we had the fishing opener. How are the sales of licenses going, things like that? So we have benchmarks uh, right along the the season, and our most recent one was uh, the weekend after July 4th. And statistically, um, we're up 3% over last year. Okay. So DNR has sold just under 783000 angling licenses 
Um, so again, 3% increase over last year. Statistically, though, flat to 2019. And I like to compare to 2019 because that's what I call, anyway, the last normal year that True. we had. <laughs> you know, you, you might recall um, angling license and hunting license sales, uh, uh, along with our state park pass uh, sales, Went through the roof during the pandemic. We needed something to do to get outside and yeah. to be able to social distance. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we had uh, significant increases in our angling license sales. So uh, the high was in 2020. Okay. Um, so we're down 12% from that high. But PC, we'll call it, post-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, Farm Fest. I'm not going to be able to make Farm Fest this year. No. I'm bummed. Yeah, I'm going to be on a cruise. Oh, going, well. Going to Alaska. <laughs> I think you're I'll doing okay. Next year, I'll come back. Okay. All right. But yeah, that's two weeks away. Two yeah. weeks from tomorrow, mm-hmm. if you can believe that. So yeah, if you're listening uh, and you're going to be out at Farm Fest, make plans to stop by our booth. Uh, it's at uh, booth 3600, which is along 7th Street. It's probably not going to mean much to anybody right now. But I'm sure you'll find us. We're going to have um, an opportunity uh, for folks to ask the experts. We're going to have uh, folks there uh, from our climatology office. Okay. So I, I hear that farmers like to talk about the weather. A little bit. Yeah. So that'll be a, I, I think that's going to be a hit. <laughs> uh, our grasslands uh, expert will be on hand. He can talk about grazing public lands or prairie habitat, uh, things like that. Also, we'll have an expert from uh, our wild, section of wildlife to talk about, you know, crop damage from mm-hmm. wildlife. So mm-hmm. uh, there are programs associated with, uh, you know, helping make things right there. So um, we'll have plenty of experts there. We'll also have DNR forestry uh, experts there as well to talk about managing your private woodlands. So if you're a landowner, you you, you know you. Um, Maybe you'd like, maybe it's in need of managing, Uh, you know, uh, maybe you've got an old growth that, you know, sometimes they they do need to be cut down, right? you know, not entirely, but, you know, selectively culled, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, yeah, getting advice there um, and and, uh, getting some resources there. So again, August 1st through the 3rd in Redwood County. All right. Tell me about the Prairie Pod new season. Yes. If you're not a listener uh, I strongly uh, recommend at least trying it. So mndnr.gov slash prairie pod or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, this is a, an opportunity to kind of learn, but also be entertained. So our regional ecologist, Megan Benich, she's a dynamo. Man, she is, she's uh, a great teacher. She's engaging. She's funny. Um, and uh, they have just launched season six of the Prairie Pod along with our regional non-game wildlife specialist, Mike Worland. So some of the topics that they're going to be uh, uh, covering, uh, how native prairie mitigates and stores carbon, uh, the benefits of haying or grazing our grasslands, and how you can plant your own pocket prairie and why that helps make a difference, you know, Mm. when it comes to pollinators or, um, you know, even climate change. Right. Uh, We're going to talk with several artists who find their inspiration in prairie. Uh, One would include Gwen Westerman, Mankato's own. Okay. So, and then uh, the challenges that wildlife face with fragmentation of their native habitat. So, uh, every Tuesday, there's going to be a new episode. So, the first one um, was released on July 11th. So, the balance of July and most of August, every Tuesday, Prairie Tuesday, will be a new edition of the Prairie Pod. Where do we get those? So, mndnr.gov slash Prairie Pod or Spotify or iTunes. Uh, wherever, wherever you get you, your favorite yep, podcast. That's right. 
All right, Prairie Pod. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the state parks uh, in our area, things that you have. This is one of my favorite uh, things that we learn because it's always, hey, where, where can I take the kids? What can I do? And learn. And learn. You yeah. don't even know you're learning. Yeah. It's the best. It is the best. And you're doing it outside, mm-hmm. too. So our naturalist in the uh, Miniopa area, Kelsey Moe, she's uh, doing some great work. She's been busy. And uh, uh, so she's going to have a program uh, every, uh, I think every other Friday out at Flandreau State Park. Okay. So July 28th um, from 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. So if you have the kids out there at the swimming pond, good thing to do during the breaks. Yeah. Go meet with Kelsey and learn something. She's going to have the nature card out there. So, um, you know, whether it's plants or animals that share the water, sky, and forests, it'll all be there right by the swimming pond. And it every time, it's different. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, Miniopa State Park uh, on July 22nd, uh, nature cart with a naturalist. Again, same theme. There's going to be different themes, um, you know, uh, with every nature cart. could be... Could be fur pelts, could be skeletons, could be wildflowers. Right. So they'll bring something out and, and teach you something. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then July 29th, if you want to learn about constellations, the stories of the star, um, campfire program. That's uh, at night. 8 p.m. Yeah. Yep. And uh, if there's going to be a campfire, I, I would advise bringing your own marshmallows Probably. and roasting sticks. Chocolate. Yeah, yeah, that's a great experience <laughs> right there, tailor made for the kids. And then if you're up for a little bit of a, a road trip, Nearstrand Bigwood State Park. Uh, Andy Went is the naturalist out there. He's doing some uh, programming on uh, July 22nd. Tree explorers, so you can learn about the different uh, species of trees um, okay. that are contained in the in the big woods. Um, and, and now if, you already know something about the ash trees, so you're yeah, all good, right? Yeah, well, and the interesting <laughs> thing about uh, Nearstrand Big Woods State Park, um, they are having uh, some issues with climate change, actually. Hmm. Um, some of their maples are dying uh, because of climate change. Huh. I'm sure that'll be a part of the part of the program, but lots of oaks, lots of basswood. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's a wonderful park if you've never visited. Waterfalls, uh, you know, I, I know... Folks around Mankato are no strangers to waterfalls, <laughs> but people seem to be still attracted we to like them. We like them. We're drawn to them. Yeah. Yep. So that's July 22nd. And then uh, that evening, um, a program on squirrels. So uh, what you can learn about uh, their different behaviors and, um, y- you know, uh, how how they go about their with their lives. And, you know, they, they are kind of quirky animals. They are. Yeah. And I love that this is at night, too. Yeah, I like I like that there's evening programming. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, it's great if you're out there camping, you know, and it gives right. the kids something to do, and again, learning something, and right. you know, hey, bring the roasting sticks. Built-in fun, right there. Yeah. If, is this all on the DNR website? If we have questions about what we're going to do, and all of it. Yep, yep. Just go to mndnr.gov and uh, you know, click around. If you're not finding what you're looking for, there's a little search box in the upper right-hand corner. Just type in the keywords, and that should take you there. Oh. Always something to do with our DNR. Dan Ryder, thank you so much for stopping by. Good to see you. Thanks for having me.